We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast for Thursday. It is October 3rd. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you again. This podcast is sponsored by our guys over at Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Mario, how you doing today? Pretty good. It got cold, but it was also hot before then and raining all the time. And uh, I bike everywhere, so it's kind of lame. But I don't know. soon I won't have any choice, I guess. It'll just be too cold that I won't be able to do it anymore. Yeah, we had some, some biblical-looking rain on, on Tuesday night up here, but has cleared up. Yeah, it's not flooding here this year yet. Last year it flooded when we got that long rain day, and uh, it's other people's problem for now. And, uh, you know, I think we're okay forever now. Yeah. It'll never be a problem for us now. That, that's again. how that works. That is precisely how that works. But as always, uh, we are going to get into every single game from every angle possible, rapid fire, uh, through the entire slate here for week five. Before we jump into that, the NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. The Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, so Mario, we we are going to skip over the Thursday night game because uh, by the time this will be posted, 
the game will pretty much be getting ready to kick off there, but should be a good one between the Rams and the Seahawks. Get a, get a glimpse of who really is the king of the NFC West. Uh, I'm still not really buying the, the 49ers personally, but yeah, it all looks kind of bad to me. I had, I had certain like hopes for that division and basically no one is meeting them. Yeah. It's, it's been a very odd start and uh, still salty about the Rams blowing it for my survivor. Um, oh so. yeah. I was lucky that I was uh unable to change my entry from the chargers but it looked like it was good like the, the the dolphins looked pretty decent for like a quarter and i was like wow that was all you I, I'm, a, I'm the biggest idiot i knew it and i went in anyway and then they still managed to give up the cover uh, even I though know, they that looked, killed me yeah they looked by f- far the best they have all year and still managed to just easily get covered by a team traveling a billion miles and super injured yeah pl- yeah playing at like five o'clock body time basically um all right so let's jump into the texans going up against the falcons here starting things off uh texans five point favorites i feel like these teams this is almost like a spider-man pointing at it, at himself meme a little bit i feel like each team is a bit of an iteration of itself within the afc and the nfc here yeah, it's, I guess, the parallel being the bad offensive lines, especially in the case of Houston. And I am kind of just sick of this team because, like, how do you how do you get nothing done against a defense that's giving 70 snaps to Ross Cockrell and another, uh, I don't even know who was replacing, what's his name, Dante Jackson. So they got nothing done, even though they have probably the best wide receiver personnel in the league, one of the very best quarterbacks still can't get anything done against that i i just have to blame coaches because the receivers are good enough doesn't make any sense but the pass blocking also is an issue watson's been getting hit way too many times like it it needs to stop basically or he's going to get hurt at some point the amount of hits that he's taking luckily the falcons pass rush you know so far hasn't looked so threatening as far as i know anyway i think they uh yeah but then it's like man houston maybe will make them even look good in the pass rush Hopefully not. If they don't give up the pass rush or too, if they don't let the pass rush hit Watson too much, then same as any week, I think these receivers can get open against basically anybody. And I guess, you know, dome setup, maybe it'll bring the best out of both passing games and that'll just kind of create a feedback loop between the two of them. But I don't know how much we can take for granted when it's like this receiver group, this great quarterback can go against bad defensive back personnel and just do nothing for an entire game. Have you ever seen the movie Swingers with like Vince Vaughn and No. Um, okay. I've never seen a Vince Vaughn movie. Really? I've seen a couple. I've just tried not to see anymore. Well, well this was like an, an early Vince Vaughn, but there, okay. there's a scene where he's like trying to pump up John Favreau and he's like, You're like this beast and you have these claws and you don't know how to use them. That almost feels like what Houston has been to this point. Like on paper they are a monster and yet it's just not showing up on the yeah, field at all and instead of like having these claws and not knowing how to use them it's like bill o'brien just handcuffs you <laughs> filing you have down these, you have these big furry claws with with knife like nails at the end and mm-hmm. you're just handcuffed by this guy who's trying the best he can to trade every future asset on this team before they hire a gm yeah, again save his own bacon yeah just just tr- give up everything for third down back t- 15 snaps a game who cares sure third round pick i don't care it's not my pick that's not my draft pick what's the difference to me haha <laughs> yeah he's just trading the whole future for that laramie tunsil trade which still doesn't help the offensive line apparently and then yeah third rounder for duke johnson who he immediately decides like yeah never mind so i mean bye weeks are now factoring in here but like i, I think it's pretty cut and dry who you're going to be starting from both of these teams, except for Duke Johnson. Um, Would you roll with him? He obviously had one of his better games. He's like a risky flex play, basically like borderline desperate for all the risk it entails. But yeah, Hopkins has to get going in this game. Like how could he go four games without lighting someone up? Just feels wrong. It seems impossible. Don't know what to make of Fuller. Him and stills are going to kind of like cannibalize each other unless Watson has like a really big game. And he can't have his biggest games if the pass blocking is this bad. So there's some volatility there, and Atlanta has its own issues on offense. Ryan wasn't getting to the receivers at all last week. He basically checked down every time. And I'm calling, I mean, I'm being inclusive with the definition of check down there because it's like Austin Hooper, Muhammad Sanu, Devontae Freeman. They're not check downs every time, but it basically is proof that like he can't move the ball downfield right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that changes. You know, the Houston pass defense isn't good. The, the uh, secondary personnel at corner is pretty questionable. So, you know, no excuses for failure here, but it's like that was kind of true last week, too. Exactly. So they need to to kind of get things in gear there. Let's move on to the Bengals versus the Cardinals. Bengals three-point favorites. 
just an abysmal showing Monday night, but I, I was on a radio show yesterday and, you know, doing like a, like a fantasy hit and people are calling in asking questions. And it's like, would you start Andy Dalton or Daniel Jones? And it's like, oh my gosh, like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, I think Dalton's like a borderline top 10 quarterback this week. Yeah, it's on the one hand, like we know he's not good, but that's been the case his entire career. And he still had good games at various points in his 2015. Career. I thought he was good. Yeah, I mean, he did have <laughs> two, that wrist injury. He had two 30 touchdown seasons, I think, in his first three years. So that's normally a pretty good indicator. But I think it's like AJ Green gets more of the credit for that. And it specifically is against Pittsburgh and like road environments within that division where Dalton's really good at melting down. So oh, yeah. I think it's like as much as it was like horrifying to watch, that's still just a game that could very easily be the worst of his, uh, I don't know, two or three year window here. Mm-hmm. He's just never good in that setting. Uh, at least he kind of got, you know, it out of the way. It's not really a missed opportunity. This game is, I think the classic Dalton correction setting. Like he's going against, a weak opponent the game doesn't matter there's no meaning if he puts up big numbers this is when he does it like so it's uh, the cardinals are still without patrick peterson alford's out auden tate i think can pick up the slack uh, with john ross out that that injury sucks but auden tate's gonna be running against backup corners and he's what doing did you pretty well for him this week uh, I put up. I actually forgot to look if I got any. Uh, I put up basically like nine, ten. That's that's exactly where I where I went for for it with him, and I, I actually scooped him in the NFFC heading into last week. Um, oh, nice. so, so lucked out there. But yeah, I think nine or ten bucks is a, is the correct market price uh, for him, and I, I think he's. In deeper leagues, I think he might be worth a flex or, or a league where you have uh, three, three or four receivers starting. He's one of the better receivers this week, in my opinion, which is okay. I didn't see that coming. But it's like they got to throw the ball and you can't ask for a better setup as far as throwing the ball goes. Exactly. Um, what do we make of Tyler Boyd's start here? Because it's, he's had, you know, he's been pretty good, like on a per target basis, I feel like. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel like it's clicked nearly to the point that i've per- like selfishly needed it to to this point well i think for the first three games he was doing really well actually i mean you'd like to have a touchdown by now but buffalo six catches for 68 yards that's about as good as you can reasonably ask a receiver to do against that defense it was in buffalo too three catches for 33 yards on six targets is disappointing but if dalton has a game that bad the odds of anything good happening anywhere are just kind of hurt really badly at the outset so as long as dalton plays better and i think in this game he will it looks like a smash spot to for boyd to me i think that uh you know as the slot you know go-to receiver guy a defense like this that has the least amount of resistance is the ideal sort of matchup because it's like if you're the first read and the first read's more likely to be open against this team than any other that has to just be good for a player like boyd as long as the quarterback plays decent so I think Boyd has a big game. I just think there's also room for Tate because the defense for Cincinnati, you know, maybe Arizona's offense is so bad that they don't need to throw the ball that much on the Cincinnati offense, but the Cincinnati defense seems kind of not great itself. Yeah. So if Arizona can score, there's just a chance. There's a pretty good chance, I think, actually, that Dalton goes over 35 pass attempts in this game. Ross and Green are out. Boyd almost necessarily would produce in that case, I think. I, okay. All right. That makes me feel a lot better. Even if it is like this sort of process by elimination, uh, process of elimination logic, it's, I mean, it still adds up to me. So I, I, I feel good about a Boyd bounce back here. I like both of those guys and maybe even Eifert. Like they, if Dalton throws for, for like 300 plus yards and Green and Ross are out, it's like, it can only go to those guys. Yeah, exactly. Un- unless like Gio Bernard is really annoying or something. Yeah, that would be funny, but also annoying. <laughs> it, it, it's what we deserve. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on from this game? Mm, Arizona looks really bad. I guess Kirk is out. Uh, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury needs to do better. They were getting just they're getting simple zone coverages and base defenses, and they're not getting anybody open against them. And then they try to run with four receivers blocking, and the defense is still in the four three. So it's like they're getting the worst of both worlds. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's like you're supposed to at least get lighter. You're supposed to get a nickel defense, a dime defense, if you go to three or four wide. Teams are just staying in the base, and so like that whole thing about getting a numbers advantage by playing more receivers and getting fewer safeties up against the line, and that being the predictor of run success the cardinals forfeit that entirely which is 
difficult to do almost. It means you cannot win. Yeah. You can't <laughs> do it anymore or you will lose forever. That's all it means. And yeah, Kingsbury's not figuring it out so far. So the, maybe he will, but he hasn't so far. Take off the sunglasses, man. Take them off. All right, let's move on uh, to the Saints and the Bucks game. Uh, Saints famously uh, lost this one at the Dome last year. Uh, still wear my survivor scars from that one. Uh, and, and then Tampa did it to me again last week. So I'm angry at Tampa, but I'm also very happy with my individual player investments. Uh, Chris Godwin, been incredible. It seems like Bruce Arians uh, has been... Maybe, maybe things are starting to click with Jameis Winston a little bit. He's been better these last couple of weeks, obviously. Um, obviously, that um, that Rams game last weekend was amazing. And selfishly, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, like if the Rams can somehow pull this off while I'm also getting <laughs> yeah. the production from Winston, what I'm going to need here is I'll take a pick six from Winston. Then he threw it, and I was like, oh, my, I have too He's much power generous. at this very moment. I have yeah. too much power. to. <laughs> but then, then the Rams biffed it. But anyway... What do you make of this this Tampa Bay offense now? And also, I mean, Ronald Jones looking pretty decent. Yeah, Jones is clearly better than Barber. He probably was all this time. But that's that's in a way concerning in itself because it's like, what does that say about the judgment of these coaches that they can't tell the difference? Mm-hmm. That they watch those two guys all the time. And, the, and like they knew what they both were in college, too. They remember what they scouted them to be prospect-wise. And then they get there, they look at the practices, and they're just like, I cannot tell who's better. And it takes a game like that. And they already had that game in week one or whatever it was, that we the first time this year that we thought, oh, Ronald Jones is pulling away from Barber. Then they come back the next week and give Barber like three times as many carries. And he didn't play well, but, you know, give him three times as many carries anyway. Just do that. See how it works. <laughs> and they they tried it. But, yeah, last week he ran clearly better. It's just not even close, the prospect quality between these two players. And it's like when you have a distinction like that, the guy who looks better in practice has to be the veteran. Like he, if he's not, he's completely blown out of the water in that case. And it's like when the, when the grades are that far apart, however much better Barber looks in practice isn't a justification for playing him ahead of Jones. Like you have to remember, well, this guy's more talented. Give him some reps. Maybe he'll just start looking better in games all of a sudden. Like that's how players develop. But yeah, they keep giving Barber those carries. The sooner they stop, the better. Maybe they start this week. Don't know what to make of like Godwin and Evans week to week. That matchup last week for Godwin, apparently on like a really bad hip, shouldn't have been it. Like it couldn't have been much worse. And then he just murdered, you know, start to finish in that game, like never stopped pummeling them. So he's awesome. And if he's healthy, I guess at this point, maybe. You just have to think he's good enough to overrule a tough matchup. What do you think the hive of uh, Godwin, Godwin and the fourth doubters are doing at this very moment? Uh, probably making fun of people like me who took O.J. Howard in the fourth and the fifth. That's pretty much their only deflection. Yeah. Yeah. It's because, I mean, it's kind of true. It's like if you <laughs> if you said if you didn't specifically say like Chris Godwin will be a bust and if you stead, uh, instead said uh at least one of Evans, Godwin, and Howard will be a bust. Like that was the correct take. Although it still doesn't need to be that way. Like if, if Arians and Leftwich would just stop giving targets to Cameron Brait and Brashad Perriman, like those two players very specifically have their functions subsidized at the expense of OJ Howard, even though we know OJ Howard's targets will yield more. We know it's a certainty his targets will get us more. And they choose to take a lesser return instead by giving those guys work. It's ridiculous, man. Howard's playing like two and a half times as many snap, uh, snaps as Braid is, and he only has something like 30 more pass routes run. He's played almost as many snaps on special teams as Cameron Braid has spent blocking on a snap. Yeah, so Perriman has the exact same target share as as O.J. Howard right now, checking, that checking is, in 9%. You know what the returns will be. There is no ambiguity. There's nothing to interpret here. You're just choosing the worst thing. It's and amazing. Dario Ngumawale, also a higher target share. Than, you love uh, to see it. Bobo Wilson had more targets last week. Oh, come on. What, what could go wrong? You know? Hey, man, they beat the Rams. I'm sure, you know, as long as they keep getting Bobo Wilson more targets than OJ Howard, they will never lose. I mean, North Florida legends. So, I mean, I, I get that. But um, on the other side... On the other side of things, um, well, actually, we'll finish. We'll, we got to figure out this O.J. Howard thing. Do we think it does get sorted out? Uh, I just think him and Sanders are going to be a seesaw all year. Like Sanders is more explosive. If he has a gap, he'll take it better than Howard. Howard will probably read blocks and things like that, finish, fall forward better. But 
there's never going to be any rhyme reason to the outcomes. It's just going to be volatile and everyone's going to be just probably mad all the time. Good. That's how I like it. Um, on the Saints side of things, I mean, last weekend's game against the Cowboys was just offensive malpractice, especially uh, with, with the talent that was on the field. Teddy Bridgewater not looking great. That that sack he took late was like insane. Uh, what do we make of the skill guys? I mean, I know that Michael Thomas is is still a lock regardless, but I'm not getting enough out of Alvin Kamara yet. Yeah, this mad. this defense might be pretty decent against the run at least. Uh, Devin, uh, he's Smith, right? Uh, Devin White. Or, pff, Devin White. There's three t- t- the cannons of Devin swirling around in my stupid brain. Now. Devin Bush also good, you right? Know, so. I, was like, I, I had a different axis of everything screwing it up. It was I was worried about Devin Bush and named a different Devin entirely. All right, back to whichever Devin it is that they have in Tampa. One of the good Devins, and then Levante David. Like they're supposed to be really good against the run, so mm-hmm. that outcome might make some sense. Against the past, they shouldn't be so good, but Teddy's been not playing that great, and you know he might not be good enough to take advantage of whatever opportunity there is there. But Thomas is automatic. Apparently, there's just apparently there's nothing to negotiate yeah, there. That, that dude just catches everything. It's it's pretty. And Teddy awesome works with him well. It's mm-hmm. weird. Like he looks, he, he makes these throws where it's like Thomas is covered and just does a last second turnaround behind the back thing, and you look at that and think like, wow, Thomas is awesome. But it's also like that's kind of a difficult throw to make if you don't know that like. If, if the receiver doesn't do Thomas stuff, uh, that's just a bad throw, but it's like, it only works with him. He can't seem to have that sort of, uh, anticipation with the other targets. Yeah. So that, that's really, you know, impressive what, what he's been able to do, at least as far as that rapport goes, but it feels like the rest of that offensive well is, is dried up a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, Kamara can still, you know, go nuts as a pass catcher, but in this particular matchup, his rushing production might be a bit touchdown dependent, but there also might be touchdown opportunities. If Winston's the turnover guy, he usually is as long as it's a pick and not a pick six, you know, that that'll help. Okay. And then overall, how do we see this game shaking out? Because it, you know, with it being a God, Bridgewater know. versus a breeze team it you know, you look at it totally differently. Yeah. These teams are so weird to me. I just have no idea. I didn't see why the saints would have had the results. They get They did against Dallas. I guess I kind of just if Tampa plays like they did against the Rams, they win. If if they play like they do any other time, they lose. I'll take Tampa just because I'm I'm flipping a coin in my head, and the the Buccaneers side of it landed. I don't okay. have any reason for anybody. Yeah, I mean the the Vegas implication here is that this it, these teams as it stands right now a little bit you know closer to neutral because the Saints are only favored by three. That's usually you know just what you catch as a home team anyway. So I'll just um, say uh, Chris Godwin if he's matched up against PJ Williams, he should be really steady offense, and uh, you know maybe that's. Maybe that's more than what the Saints will have. Maybe they'll be a less steady offense. I don't know. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I have doubts about the Saints being able to keep up if this one does end up getting weird, turn into a track meet uh, type of thing. Um, before we get into our next game, we got a message from our friends over at Sideboss. Hey, football fans, week five of the NFL season is here. And lucky for you, Sideboss has you covered. If you missed entering the Sideboss Pro Pick'em Contest, it's not too late to join week five and still be eligible to win weekly and quarterly prizes throughout the season. In addition to our Pro Pick'em Contest, where players choose five games against the spread each week, Sideboss is currently offering prop contests for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Play any Sideboss weekly or daily free-to-play p- games, get all the picks correct, and boom, win cash and an entry into the Sideboss 150k private NFL against the spread contest. Go to contests.sideboss.com. That's contests.sideboss.com. Use promo code ROTOWIRE. All right, Mario, let's get into the next matchup on the, on the uh, pod here. Uh, we got the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, for once, this game is being played in Pittsburgh and not at night. I think there had been a long, long streak of this game always being primetime in Pittsburgh. So kind of interesting to see it during the day here. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that the over-under has gone up about two points and the line swung from Pittsburgh favored by four to Baltimore by three. I don't really see there being that many points in this game, I guess, because the Ravens' defense hasn't looked great. I know that, but... I'm a big doubter of this Ravens defense at this point they have some new personnel though and a team like that might improve over the course of the year like it's why would they get worse 
I mean, as much as losing Mosley was one real loss. I mean, they were getting dunked on by Ricky Seals Jones last week, and the and the Browns route combinations were just completely baffling them. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like their scheme, their player preparedness has always been their strength. So either they just have lost something permanently, which is the only way I think they can continue struggling like this, or they will become more like they were in the past, which is like we've got literally decade of counter examples. So maybe they're busted. I don't know, but I would imagine like they'll start figuring things out, figuring things out. Cause that's what they've always done. They've always figured things out better than other teams. And if, if they've fallen behind now, I would sooner guess they'll catch ground quickly. I think this uh, Jimmy Smith injury was, was a little bit more impactful than, than was initially expected. That hurts. But even like the run defense hasn't been good. And that's one thing that was, personnel stinks. It might, but it also might be like really new. Like if you have a good defensive line and the linebackers have experience, I feel like that would usually be enough for the kind of scheme they have with the standards that they have, you know, as far as developing their in-house players the way they usually do. But in any case, even if they're just not that great, I feel like in this matchup, they should be able to play good defense because Mason Rudolph, I have to assume he just sucks because he was a spread offense like downfield passer in college he is not able to throw downfield. It's embarrassing like how neutered he was on Monday night like that just like two yards down the field was his average depth of target until that Deontay Johnson touchdown or something like that like that yeah is- and that was just a busted coverage for mm-hmm. Johnson wide open and it's it's one of these things like what do you think it says about the quarterback when they're giving wildcat snaps, not even to a Taysom Hill guy, they're just giving wildcat snaps to the running back. Like maybe they're saying something like, Oh, well he's just so versatile. He's versatile at playing tight end and receiver and running back. He's not a quarterback. No. And so there's no, there's no way to introduce that, you know, offensive scheme wrinkle without it being a direct condemnation of Mason Rudolph's passing ability. Cause you're forfeiting the past. You're saying like, well, with this formation, We'll just rule out the pass because we think that's better than having this guy out there. And, and I think it compounds with the the with what I just said there, where where he was only throwing it two yards down the field. Yeah. yeah, totally. So it's like they're forfeiting the pass by going with a running back at quarterback for an indefinite. You know, it's a minority of snaps, but it's enough that it can screw up the the margin of error for a player who's probably just not that good. And if the Ravens can sell out against the run and not get penalized for it then I think they would probably succeed in stopping the run. If Connor is still limited, that would help. Uh, but yeah, it's like if if they're selling out against the run and they're not paying for it against the pass, I think they can make that work. If, the, if they only have to worry about one thing, I bet they can be good. Okay, all right. So that, that will kind of be the key to this game, in my opinion, at least uh, when the Steelers have the ball. What do we make of the projection for Juju Smith-Schuster this week? Because it's been a little bit, you know, touch, touch and go for him. It's not good because he had three catches for 15 yards or whatever it was on Monday. That's basically the same box score he would have had against the 49ers if he didn't have 76 yards after that one catch. Like if you take that the after the catch from his box score, it's three for 15. So that's two games of basically the same thing except for the one where obviously Juju, he's good at breaking those long plays. It's a, it's a skill related outcome but it's not it's not explained by the skill it was more so probably just a fluky thing that you can't count on in any given game like he he might get something like 10 targets in this game but if he does then Deontay Johnson Moncrief Washington uh so yeah I mean Connor Samuels like that's that's still a viable pairing and everything but I think overall I would still just based on the on the quarterback advantage that the Ravens have I, I think that the Ravens will probably come away with the win here I just think it'll it'll be a very uh, close matchup but you know the the three-point favorites here it's makes it really really tough to pick a side um, but I, I still think money line wise uh, the Ravens would, would be my play there let's move on over to the Chargers uh, Broncos matchup here um, a game where the Broncos for you know for their warts they're off to a 0-4 start Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders have kind of been bright spots for this offense so far, though. Yeah, they're both great. It's an easier matchup, I think, for Sutton in this one, even though he'll probably see Casey Hayward. It's just that Sanders might see a good amount of Desmond King. But A, they're both good enough to win on their own. Uh, and B, it's like they're not going to see them every play. If Sutton gets Fasison or whoever is starting outside for the Chargers. Fancy son. Yeah, fancy son. 
if he gets a matchup like that, it's a green light. But uh, yeah, they're both so good that the matchups they've had haven't mattered at all. They've, they've produced against tough defenses. Uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, I think both are just kind of permanently in that flex territory in most leagues all year. And this matchup is no different with the Chargers. It's going to be pretty simple. Like they need Keenan Allen to do something. And even in a tough matchup with a lot of Chris Harris, I think Keenan Allen can win that. Uh, otherwise, it's going to have to be a kind of a narrow tree just going between Melvin Gordon Austin Eckler, since they're so shorthanded at receiver, tight end, even Dontrell Inman is now hurt. So it's just Allen, Gordon, and Eckler, and I think they're all pretty clear green lights here. Yeah. So with, with that uh, general attrition to the rest of that those pass catchers, I think that that elevates both Gordon and Eckler in the passing game. If and when the, these Chargers do get healthy at, at other receiver positions here, do we still believe that like Eckler will will continue to be viable? Well, he's really good for his own part. It's just going to be the question of how much will his workload fluctuate and things like Mike Williams getting healthy, things like Hunter Henry getting healthy. Those would hurt Eckler's workload chances. But in the meantime, you know, Henry's kind of out week to week at best. And I don't know what Williams' status is this week, but even if Williams is in, I still think you can probably make a good case that Eckler's uh, at least like a top 25 fantasy back, maybe even top 20. Okay. All right. So that, that makes me feel better as somebody that, that went after Eckler pretty aggressively in, in redrafts here. Um, let's move on over uh, to the Eagles game. Eagles, almost two touchdown favorites against the Jets. Don't really know what's going on with, with Sam Darnold right now. I th- think he's going to... Still sick. He's going to be wearing like uh, Knight's armor on the field. Yeah, they're just worried about that spleen exploding, so they're just not... I think he's going to probably need a little... Isn't Mono supposed to be like a six-week deal anyway? Um, I not mean, if when you're put into hyperbaric chamber with 50 IVs for two weeks straight. You no, know, when you have the versatility of having played volleyball in high school like Sam Darnold, I think you, you bounce back from it quicker. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's some continuing you know saga. I just, I just remember seeing some quote earlier today a couple hours ago where he's saying like, I don't want to die on the field. And I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. All right. Softy. That's your Jeez. opinion or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so he's limited participant or, uh, as of Wednesday, still not really sure what's going to be going on with that. But uh, if he's out or if he's, it, you know, I think that he's going to be shaky if he is out there. I think that mono is, again, this is like unprecedented said, yeah. as far as I know. I don't know if we have a case study for, well, the first game back from mono is always, <laughs> I, I don't know how these go. The teams teams playing against the, the sickly quarterback cover the spread 80% of the time. As long as they don't fly and enlarge the spleen further, they're good in the first start. Ooh, but Corey if Ivy. they travel, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, uh, you see the big spread. It's up to 13 and a half for the Eagles. It's not a good spot, even if he is ready to go, just because like that, that pass rush is lively. But I still believe in Darnold for the long term. But this is a cursed organization, and Mono is quite a short-term hurdle. Yeah, no kidding there. So, um, you know, this is a lot of points. The Eagles are going to be pretty well-rested. I know that the, the narrative around them all through this early part of the season is how dinged up that they've been. But I think the extra rest uh, should help them kind of really take care of business here at home. Yeah, I think both or either of uh, Sanders and Howard can get going on the ground. Usually we won't have both, but I think usually and especially when in a game they're favored like this at least one of them okay all right i could i could see that as well and of course you know green light to to Ertz and and jeffrey and all that um let's move on over to the vikings giants game vikings five point favorites on the road kirk cousins has just been so bad it's hard to keep the faith because the rest of the team is so good on paper but i mean the way that things are working with that offense right now and i know that the bears can make anybody look bad but goodness yeah it's on the road too, where cousins has had a some of his worst episodes but the matchup is so good and i still don't think cousins is exactly bad it's just that he's probably average and the contract that he had presumed something more than that and it's you know going to be a, a bitter detail every day for the, the vikings fans to have to just look at that remember it and move on with their day it's it's like that kind of thing really wears on you with enough time and people are sick of him uh understandably so but this is a pretty easy matchup and it's like even bad quarterbacks can have good games and good matchups his receivers if Diggs plays who knows what's going on with that i'm pretty sure he's gonna play on sunday but he's uh, at least hinting at welcoming a trade if not demanding one so that could get weird in ways that we can't. He's anticipate. already been. He's already gotten paid, right? I don't actually know. 
I thought yeah, he he probably is, I guess, because if he hadn't held out after like his second season on a fifth year, a fifth round contract, yeah, he would be badly underpaid. Yeah, he he signed, he inked one uh, last off season. So yeah, uh, as long as he's on the field, like the matchup for him, like the matchup for Thielen, I think that the Vikings will go into this feeling the need to get the passing game going. Like even if they want to run the ball normally, it's like you know Dalvin's going to work on the ground. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see them get to the red zone and they do like a play action uh, to try to get Cousins an easy touchdown and, and, you know, take it away from Cook. Basically, to just kind of like make it look like everything's OK with a big game. Well, so, the, Gi- the Giants secondary can't afford you that luxury. Right. They're actually bad. And the receivers, Diggs and Thielen, are actually good. So even a bad quarterback, even if Cousins is bad, should be able to produce in this setting, especially when there's kind of like the political interest of justifying his contract, getting Diggs to, to be happy because he has, you know, more targets. Thielen wants more targets too. So there's, there's a lot of like momentum pushing them toward airing it out. Even if, uh, you know, the, even if the giants aren't a threat, they might want to just get cousins four touchdowns to just kind of like grease the wheel basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something needs to happen there because I mean, even like you said, even Adam Thielen was kind of vocal after that game on Sunday about the need to just start pushing the ball down the field on the Giants' side. Uh, I don't think that Barkley's going to be playing. It looks like uh, Golden Tate's going to be coming off that suspension, but Vikings defense pretty tough. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to immediately start him. I feel like the personnel of the Giants is just awful for this matchup. Like they got some good players, but the Vikings have strengths specifically to counter the types of players that the Giants have. So maybe Ingram just because you know he's so fast for linebackers and safeties but it's like even a guy like eric kendricks if he's covering him he's the specific kind of linebacker guys like him you know roquan these 230 fast guys now it's like that's they're 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 the kind of like prototype now because of players like ingram it's their response to it so yeah it's not a good matchup you have a player as good as ingram as good as shepherd sometimes they produce even in tough settings but i feel like this is a really bad spot for daniel jones who started he had basically like three rough quarters last week had a good first quarter and then just kind of uh, struggled most of the rest of the way. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more ahead. And then do you think Wayne Gallman, uh, no. you know, he's in trouble this week? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't see him having as good of a game as he did last week. And it, he seems to have turned a corner as a pass catcher. Like he's producing well as a pass catcher lately, but I still don't think he can run out of the backfield. No. So I think that again, like the Redskins can kind of like paint a false image of, of what it really is. So I, I think that, um, that Gallman kind of comes back to earth this week. And I, apparently he's been a little bit dinged up this week um before we move on to our next game we got a message from our friends over at fantasy draft fantasy draft the only rake free daily fantasy site in the business brings the heat again with a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar guaranteed rake free contest the hooter main event with its one hundred thousand dollar first place payout this is the largest and only rake free contest running anywhere for NFL Week 5. That's right. Fantasy Draft is the only fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools 100% of the time, not just for limited time promotional contests. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 16% of your entry fees to fantasy companies are over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code ROTOWIRE and you'll get a free seven day trial on your first $1,000 of rake free entry fees. That's fantasydraft.com promo code ROTOWIRE. Don't miss your shot at millions of, do- millions of dollars in rake free contests this season. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. Your bankroll is going to love it. All right, Mario, let's move on to the next game here. We got the, uh, this one we won't need to, to, hang on too long for we got the patriots and the redskins we, we i think we kind of know what to expect on, on both sides Ooh. here uh can sony michelle get it going probably somebody's gonna have to do something in this horrible cursed game but uh he ran pretty well last week i guess uh, they they gave him a lot of work in a tough setting and he didn't embarrass himself but it's the question with sony michelle or the answer to the sony michelle question every week is pretty much just how many touches are white and burkhead going to get and where on the field and, and brandon uh bolden yeah we can't forget about him uh, that's annoying 
So if he gets the touches, he's probably going to produce just because this other this opponent is hopeless and will probably give the Patriots short fields. So there should be touchdowns. It's just like, will they go to someone else by some weird fluke? I, don't, I think he's due for a pretty decent game. Okay. All right. I, and, you know, if not against the Redskins, then, then I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so hopefully that gets going. And then on the Redskins side, anything to, to see here? No. <laughs> yeah nothing yeah it's it's a little bleak uh there in the nation's capital all right let's move on panthers jags uh matchup of pretty cool quarterbacks here uh kyle allen and uh gardner Minshew, of course uh the panthers favored here three and a half point favorites at home how do we see this one shaking out yeah i don't know if if jalen ramsey's out again then i think one of dj moore or curtis samuel will have a pretty nice matchup i don't know what I think of either defense really like they've they've had their moments they've had their bad moments but I don't think the Panthers are as good as they've been the past two weeks like if they really just make this shut down pass defense with a bunch of zone coverage with backup corners it's going to seem weird to me maybe the Jags are not the team to figure it out but maybe on the other hand I mean Conley Shark and D.D. Westbrook is so much speed to contend with and even if you're conducting your zones perfectly if the pass rush doesn't get there or if somebody just kind of handles a an exchange of route runners wrong, if Minshew's sharp, there might be opportunities. And if the opportunities are there, these receivers can run away from everybody after the catch too. So there's opportunity there. It's just it's hard to see ahead and know whether the whether like Doug Marone will have good uh, adjustments to these coverages that have worked so well for the Panthers the last two weeks. Okay, yeah, so – so with that, you know, that it will be an interesting uh, match, like in-game matchup to see what these uh, receivers can do against, like you said, kind of a ragtag uh, secondary that that is playing maybe a little bit above expectation. Uh, when it comes to Leonard Fournette, I know that I've aired my frustrations with him. And then, you know, he goes ahead and has, a, has the monster game uh, last week. I've started to kind of work on this take here. And, and let, me, okay. let me know what you think. Leonard Fournette is basically becoming running back to Sean Jackson. Huh. Uh, I guess I can see it in the sense of like, we don't know what version we're going to get in any given week, but I don't know to be a pedant. I, I think Please my do. personal belief as a Deshaun Jackson, like super truther is that he is perfect and has never made a mistake on a football field before. So when he doesn't have a good game, it's always someone else's yeah, fault. Okay. <laughs> Whereas with Leonard Fournette, it's like some days he's just fat, I guess. I don't know what the <laughs> deal is. Like, I don't understand why he's such an obvious, like, he's like a bull of a human like he he actually just like kicks people and they like fly and like he, he runs away from people and stomps on them and it looks all so painful yep and then there's other times where they're just like tapping his they just kind of slap his ankle and he goes down like a ton of bricks mm-hmm. and it's like i don't think he quite has bad balance it's like he just kind of has like he needs more zen still i know he had some sort of like personal growth off season of i don't know what that consisted of but it's like he just needs to be in more of like an even baseline kind of state i don't know if it's like he just he gets too stompy and like thinking about the long touchdown and before accounting for the you know the guy who's gonna bite at his ankles over here and the ankle biter keeps getting him over and over like a nightmare he can't get out of but if he like just would pay attention to that guy and just like kind of make sure like ah okay he's down i'm past him now i'll start running again maybe something like that because it's like you see when he gets when he gets like the giddy up going it's like you can tell and everybody on the field knows like oh no this is bad this is bad (laughs) yeah um but it's like he just keeps getting slipped up in the backfield so often when he doesn't have that specific outcome i know it's killer so he's you know becoming like dependent on on these big runs in a lot of cases to kind of salvage his value but um you know we'll we'll start and it's nice to see and he does have a ton of yardage it's like if he start if he had two touchdowns right now his the whole perception of his season would have a very different kind of tone to it i think so too um and then overall what do we expect from the result of this game i i don't know i'll say jacksonville just because it's like i think Minshew has something i don't know how good he is but i think it's it's one of those deals where he suits the the collection of talent and the scheme that they have pretty well and jacksonville just has so much more talent uh, or sorry so much more just like speed on offense that is practically used like I, I know that we have Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore on the other side but I, like I don't really trust Kyle Allen to get going against this team especially if Ramsey is out there 
Whereas, uh, I don't know, I'm just such a Rivera hater, such a cor- corner person. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, and, you know, I think with that, you can probably deduce it. We'll, we'll lean a little bit towards the Jags. All right, so let's shift our gears over to the London game this week. We got the Bears and the Raiders squaring off the Raiders. Uh, have not been home in a while, and they will continue to not play home games for quite some time. Uh, and looks like uh, the Bears, you know, they've had s- some intrigue over the week. We, we saw the, the Roquan Smith stuff yesterday. Still not totally sure what to make of all that. And then, of yeah. course, Mitchell Trubisky um, dealing with an injury as well. So we're looking at a potential Chase Daniel versus Derek Carr matchup here. Yeah, as we do yearly, our annual tradition of sending our worst teams to London to insult the British people and <laughs> try to make them hate football as much as possible. We've, we've got another strong effort with these two teams where it's it's the we know the the Bears are probably the better team here, but even their quality, like even the good parts of, of their nature are all defensive things that don't necessarily make for like great optics. Like if you watch football and you don't know what the uh, ter- what the terms are and like what the down and distances and you know the general stakes of various events, if you don't know that and you watch the Bears have a good game on defense, you would think like this is just a barbaric trash uh, game of of clearly no order whatsoever like it's just (laughs) this is just a bunch of barbarians smashing their heads together and like us more informed more cultured americans would be like actually that was a sack you fool yeah savage yeah um so yeah the ball out on purpose so yeah even if the bears have like a good game here it'll probably the kind of uh like dreary aesthetics that'll that'll make even you know the the foggy people of of uh london town yeah they'll just be like wow this is quite dreary um Um, i I think you know you're talking about the bear like what a good result for the bears looks like you know i think that that generally these london games are sloppy maybe that plays to the bears benefit this week. yeah probably and david montgomery had a huge workload last week didn't have much room couldn't do much with it but even if he doesn't have much room again in this one, I think he'll have short enough fields that he'll be very close to touchdown range. Okay. All right. So arrow trending upwards uh, when it comes to Mon- uh, Montgomery, excuse me. And then uh, when it comes to the Raiders uh, side of things, what are we looking at here? Well, Josh Jacobs is running pretty well too. And Tyrell Williams been a touchdown a game kind of player to open the year. But I just feel like this looks like such a bad setup for Derek Carr because that Bears defense, I mean, if they can do what they did to Kirk Cousins, I think Derek Carr is is probably a little worse than Cousins, and he doesn't have as much firepower alongside him as, as Cousins. So, I don't know. I can just kind of see it being a bad setup. I can see Carr having to throw the ball because they are down, whatever, 13 or 14 points in the second half, and I can see the problems basically just getting worse from there. But uh, Darren Waller is awesome. I, I guess that's something. Maybe he'll have it easier running than Tyrell. Maybe Tyrell against the corners is a little tougher than running against the linebackers and safeties. I don't know. But it's like I, I can just kind of imagine Oakland getting just choked out quick and, and not really getting much traction in this one. Yeah, there's a reason this game this game has an over-under of 40 and a half and, you know, one of the lower ones on the board here. And, and you know, again, I think this would be a low-scoring game regardless of, you know, whether it's in Oakland or in Chicago. But I think the London factor on top of it, uh, this portends to be being a very, like, sloppy low-scoring game. Yeah, other than Waller and Williams and Jacobs, it's just there's nothing in Oakland, and the Bears defense can maybe have enough resources to just kind of control all three of them too. Five and a half points though uh, for the Bears with oh, Chase Daniel back there. I think that might be an upgrade, honestly. So yeah, I mean, the way that Trubisky was playing to start the year, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll take it. I don't know. It's like there's a they got a defense at least. I don't know what Oakland has. Yeah, they they could you know maybe maybe help goose the score with a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. So there is something to be said for that potentially. Um, so yeah, I I think I can be talked into the Bears covering this five and a half point spread. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm kind of agnostic on it. I don't really have an opinion. But if I must choose, like I don't You're know, Derek Carr I'm in London just sounds bad. It does. Um, let's move on over to the Titans and the bills uh titans aj brown hey now what's going on there 
Yeah, he's really good. Corey Davis had a big game last week, too. The Titans would be smart to never throw another target again to Tajay Sharp or Adam Humphreys, at least if they're taking a target away from Brown or Davis. Uh, they should just try to make every pass go to those two or Delaney Walker, mm-hmm. and that would be one way they could maybe improve their offense. But this is a really tough matchup. The Buffalo defense is for real, and I I don't know. It's like if you stop Derrick Henry, even as good as Brown and Davis might be, we don't know what you can take for granted with Mariota from week to week. And if you stop Henry, sometimes you stop the whole offense. And this could easily be one of those cases because the the passing, uh, the secondary play in Buffalo is typically quite good. And as much as Brown Davis might be good, it's not as easy of a matchup as the Falcons. So yeah, uh, I think you you expect the Buffalo defense to kind of stop the Titans and and. I don't know. The Titans have a pretty decent defense. Don't know what to make of the Matt Barkley factor, but I don't really think he's a meaningful decline from Josh Allen. So hmm. I, I don't take any Josh Allen absence as a cause for much in this game. But on the other hand, it's like I don't see how Buffalo runs on the Tennessee defense. So who who loses less slowly in this game? I don't really know. I I tend to think that Barkley is really, really bad. Um, okay, I, okay. I, I view him as a, as a pretty significant downgrade from Allen, the way that Allen had played. Uh, well, as something. a runner, certainly, he can't do anything like that. But I, I also think Allen might be like a bottom six passer or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm a hater, but I, I am a Derrick Henry truther. I don't, I'm not really a truther for anybody on the Bills' side, so I guess I'll go with the home team. Go with the Not truth. because I want to. It's like I'm definitely – I've I've been forced to pick a side in this. Yeah, I mean the Titans follow like a, a very distinct pattern where we, when you think that things are going well, that's when the the rug gets pulled out from under them, and when you bury them, they they come out from under the grave. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really think the Falcons were that good, so I didn't think I didn't, I didn't consider the Falcons like a big favorite in that one. And similarly, I don't think things have gone well. I just I just feel like the Buffalo offense might have a poor fit against this Tennessee defense and you know they had an emotional game last week that probably took something out of them I don't know Derrick Henry if you give him enough shots I think he eventually does something and I don't see any reason to think the Bills take away the script from Henry okay all right so that that all adds up to me I could I could see the Titans but I don't want to pick a side because this could just be so gross it's tough I I think that the Barkley factor plus Titans at home I I think is just enough to, to make me side um, with Tennessee here. Uh, let's move on to a game with, with um, you know, on the complete other end of the spectrum as far as uh, expected offense is concerned here. We got the Chiefs and the Colts uh, squaring off here. Chiefs, heavy, heavy favorites here. 11-point uh, favorites, rematch of the AFC Divisional game from a year ago where Kansas City pretty much dominated that one. Uh, and this one won't have Andrew Luck, obviously, so could have a little bit more of the same here. Yeah, the Colts are beat up, too. Like, we don't know if T.Y. Hilton's going to play. They might have Paris Campbell hurt now, too, so the receiver depth is definitely lacking. Marlon Mack's dealing with an ankle issue for which he hasn't practiced this week. I don't know if that's just a synonym for the calf thing before or if it's something new, but not what you want to see. The Andrew Luck trajectory that no I'm, I'm just yeah 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 you don't want to see it and uh, we still don't know if Darius Leonard will be back we don't know if Clayton Geithers or Malik Hooker will play Taekwon Lewis might not play Chiefs get away with the win pretty easily I think the question is just like how much of a fight do the Colts put up and how uh, you know how much garbage time can they capitalize on because there will be garbage time and so I think Jacoby Brissett is like a totally good play in season long in DFS this week, even if Hilton is out just because with the defense beat up and with the defense, even when it wasn't beat up last year, just getting immediately dissected by Pat Mahomes. It's like, they're going to have to abandon the run. They might have reason to abandon it anyway, if Mac isn't 100%. And so I think we could just see a game where like, even if he's inefficient, Brissett might throw over 40 passes and just kind of, he can run too. You don't want to count on it, but it's, there will be so many ways that it can go good enough for him in this one. Okay, who are the targets? If, if T.Y. Hilton is still dinged up for, for Sunday's game, who are the passing targets in this in this Indianapolis offense that you'd be targeting? Well, I don't know if I would be targeting any of them because they have a way of making a committee out of everything, even at tight end. It's like Eric Ebron had a long touchdown last week, but he sucks. He actually just dropped a bunch of passes and kind of got lucky with the touchdown. So maybe jack is jack doyle like concussed though from that oh, from the perfect hit I'm, he's not on the injury report okay. so i would actually say jack doyle 
because he's actually good and uh yeah but he he's not really like a playmaker zach pascal is their lead outside receiver i don't think he's very good but he had seven targets last week and he'll be running certainly uh Deion kane got a lot of snaps the most snaps among the, the uh colts receivers last week but he didn't get anything going apparently uh yeah so he had five targets didn't catch any his skill set doesn't really work that well with Brissett because he's far downfield and Brissett's checking down so much I don't know if he can really make good throws to the part of the field that Kane runs so I guess uh as much as I believe in Kane and I, th- I think he will run well I think Chester Rogers and Jack Doyle are probably your best bets and then Naheem Hines is gonna have to do stuff out of the backfield okay yeah it's a, that's a it's a bleak list of names there yes yeah, a very just dumb looking committee but i don't know reich has a way of just finding ways to make people useful it's just that we know they're not gonna they're not gonna be useful enough to make this a competitive game at least i don't think so i don't think so either i think you know if this was a fully healthy indianapolis team maybe it's a slightly different story but chiefs at home uh, pretty much at full strength I, I don't know what tyreek hill's deal is for for this week it feels like if he's back this week that would be kind of surprising and what's going on with damian williams like i don't know what's i don't think it matters like they don't need either of those guys to cover in this game but if either of them is involved it completely changes the look of the offense mm-hmm. and uh a lot of you know there's there's a chain of player interests depending on their status like if if Tyreek Hill is back Demarcus Robinson and Michael Hardman both kind of just become like really dicey plays most cases if Damian comes back I think that's about it for Daryl like I know a lot of people are pointing at his numbers pointing at McCoy's numbers and saying like oh see they're better than Damian Williams it's like I feel like if you have if you say that you haven't watched Daryl at all like these plays that he's doing well on like he catches the ball well and he's a good uh like blitz pickup guy and he falls forward things like that but these plays that are big plays of his like if you put Damian Williams in that spot you can very easily see like okay it would be really nice to run a 4-4 right now because this could be a touchdown this could be a touchdown in their you know eight nine ten yard carries for Williams but it's like he's going untouched 10 yards downfield as a 4-7 guy Mm -hmm. it's like imagine what real speed would be doing with that and so um I think Damian is still very clearly their best pass catching threat out of the backfield and I think that's a meaningful detail uh so yeah if he's in i'm kind of like i'm putting him into my season-long lineups but i i have no idea what his realistic status is like i also wouldn't be surprised if he missed this game and the next still right yeah that's a it's a dicey injury it seems like he's he's dealing with their with there um so i think that's something that you'll need to look in on on sunday and the fact that this is a sunday night game for season long it, it makes it's gonna make it tough to they're saying to put him he's in a full lineup. sorry they're saying damien is a full practice participant so okay. i guess that's closer to probable and questionable sounds like it yeah anyway so we'll see it, it's it's a deep group and they have a lot of threats on that team so it'll it'll be something to watch closely yeah absolutely um let's get on to what might be the game of the weekend uh the cowboys and the packers here so cowboys three and a half point uh home favorites packers coming off that tough home loss uh, last thursday night against the eagles cowboys they kind of just went into a shell on on Sunday night yeah. against the the Saints. You know the the Cowboys that we saw the first three weeks of the season that were explosive and totally different from what we had previously seen uh, from this kind of like core group uh, just turtled. Uh, just yeah. really, really a lot of running on first down. I follow a lot of Cowboys beat writers and and Dallas personalities, and they were just losing their minds over like the sequencing. Yeah, for good reason, because it would have been one thing if the uh, if the Cowboys had gone there, lost to the Saints, playing the exact same game that they did before, if they if they had the same play calling and just failed this time, as opposed to just succeeding in the other case, then you could go, oh, I guess, you know, the Saints outplayed them. But when you change the approach, when you take what works and you stop doing it through no clear impetus, like if you just say, like, well, what if we stop doing what works? And then you do something that you have reason to believe is not as good. It's not just that it's like something new. It's not that we have a fear of the unknown here. We have reason to believe that the thing you're switching to specifically is not good. And it's just, if, even if it's not a clear bad thing, it's still clearly not as good as the first thing. So why would you change it? Uh, they changed it. The results were not good. We can't force them to make any particular conclusion, but it would have to be a pretty 
pessimistic take. Uh, you'd have to think very lowly of Jason Garrett to think that even he would look at that and say like, I think we just got to do it again. Uh, let's, let's take the thing that didn't work. Try it again. I don't really want to try that other stuff that worked the first two times. That's, I just don't like that. Uh, I, I don't think very highly of Garrett. And even I think he will say like, okay, never mind. Maybe you Kellen Moore do the things that you were doing before I said, uh, let's, let's take it back to 1995. But with that said, Tyron Smith being out does make them more run likely, I think, because, uh. um, the Packers run defense has been more vulnerable than the past. They do have a deep group of pass rushers mm-hmm. between Clark the and the brothers. Smiths. Yeah. So Tyron Smith being out is a huge loss. And the more they drop back with Dak, the more they invite that pass rush to get involved. But the run defense looks weak, so it might actually make sense to go more heavily toward Elliott anyway. And, you know, this is anecdotal and two years ago now, but at the same time, we we've gotten a glimpse of what it looks like this Dallas offensive line when Smith is not playing not and it is it's the kind of thing that made Adrian Claiborne a lot of money. Yeah, Tyron Smith is legitimately a Hall of Fame level talent. So it's not just that, you know, you're going to the backup. It's that the degrees of difference between that starter and that backup is bigger than in almost any other case. The, I love, someone had this uh, take on Tyron Smith, like the, this description that I think is pretty apt. It's like if we had to like gear up as humans against aliens like he would be on like the first team like trying <laughs> yeah. to stop him like he, he's he, our best hope yeah him in a football uniform actually looks like sam richardson in the i think you should leave where he's he's like the terminator guy and he's, oh, yeah. he's screaming about the bonies mm-hmm. he's like oh crap in, in the, the <laughs> like that cyborg suit that's what tyron smith just kind of looks like wearing shoulder pads that's right oh okay yeah, i remember that sketch now exactly and yes that is pretty much him so but yeah he's he's a uh, first team all savior from the future slash uh, a crucial left tackle for the, the Cowboys. We love you, Tyron Smith. Any other uh, last things you want to say about this game before we move on? Uh, Michael Cleveland? Gallup might be back, and that would be a big deal. Uh, it won't offset Tyron Smith, but it will give another meaningful bit of firepower to that offense. Yeah, if you spend a lot of money on Devin Smith and Fab like I did and like I may have recommended on this podcast, uh, I'd like to take this time to apologize. It was worth it. It was worth it. It was it. worth it. It looked, it looked like it was going to be good. And we have principles around here, and the principle is worth it too. But uh, anyway, yeah, Devin Smith still might be pretty good but Gallup is definitely good yes we that we know so if, he, if he's back and, and good to go then um i think that that probably removes smith from the equation mostly um let's move on to this, this cleveland 49ers game the 49ers obviously coming off that bye they are undefeated uh surprisingly um just sort of like a who have they played type of deal at the same time the yes. browns seem to be you know if if they play more like last sunday than they did the the one before against the rams then obviously that's a that's a huge uh swing in terms of performance there what do we make of this cleveland team going out west i don't know they're still unsolved like we've seen some range of fluctuation but we don't know where they're going to settle and we we don't know if they can go lower or higher yet than they have to this point i think it's all a possibility and it's not the greatest matchup for that offensive line of cleveland's because the san francisco defense we don't know how good it is as a whole but we do know that front seven is good that front four with deforest buckner uh they got d ford there now the bosa whatever his name is Nick. and yeah they got they got two good linebackers or at least two really fast linebackers in warner and Quan Alexander. So if your offensive line can't blitz pick up and if it's bad against the base formation guys like Buckner, you don't really want to play that particular group of players and being on the road probably doesn't help. But still think Mayfield's good. I think Odell's gonna bounce back. So like I we never know what happens when strengths meet strengths, but I still consider Mayfield more of a strength quarterback than a liability quarterback so i don't i don't view him as like this this meek uniquely vulnerable player like i think he's way better than jared goff for some perspective so i think it's possible that he might have just had his worst games of the year already and will like just keep it together a little better if nothing else but uh it is a tough matchup and i don't think you can expect the 49ers to just let chubb run wild like the ravens did so they'll need more answers than they had last week and they could very well have them but they might not uh but with that said garoppolo has not looked reliable at any point yet and this cleveland defense could give him some problems that at least match whatever difficulties mayfield might face go on oh it's just i mean miles garrett is a monster 
and there's other good pl- like Vernon's a good player, Ogan Joby's a good player. There's a lot of people that can hurt you in that front seven of Cleveland. So if Garoppolo doesn't have a an actually good game in him, then this these concerns that we have about Mayfield might not even really matter that much. Like it might come down to other things and the 49ers could still win even if Garoppolo has a bad game, but it's like they've they've only got so many tickets where they can cash in and you know they win even if garoppolo is bad and they've maybe used them all up already that's a really good way of of putting that because you know by virtue of being undefeated you'd expect you know some modicum of of like oh this is a top 10 team this is a potential playoff team i still feel like the jury is out on the 49ers overall and you know, maybe that's that a lot of that has to do with them kind of being lost in our collective conscious with, with them being on, on the bye uh, last week and, you know, seeing 30 other teams play last weekend that, that could change some things here. But I, I think overall that this is the Niners need to start proving it against good teams. And I think it starts, I think, uh, Monday night against Cleveland. You like their chances of winning it? Um, I like the Browns chances of coming oh, and stealing okay. this one. OK, yeah, I agree. I um it's like the 49ers could make that answer and say like actually we are a good team but i guess i just doubt it right now yeah i'll I'll side uh in the other direction on that one uh that about wraps it up uh for today's show thanks again for listening to the rotowire nfl podcast brought to you by yahoo and yahoo daily fantasy sports 